Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome to uh, Geekscape episode 54. This is the second episode of our second year. Um, I'm here in Austin celebrating the holidays with my family. I've got my good friend Brent Moore, who is a scapist like you guys. Uh, if you're on the Geekscape forums, you can find him. His uh, username is Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. Big film guy. Um, we're also going to be joined by my ha- brother-in-law, uh, Mr. David Heath. That's his hand waving right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and and David is a huge, probably the biggest gamer I know. And you guys are thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna take his ass out on Xbox Live. It's not that kind of game. Uh, David, for real, has been keeping it real for how long? Have you been playing uh, board games and, and uh, miniatures? Uh, well, games total. Uh, games gosh, total. Well, if you want to start with the early role playing phase. Um, Probably began second grade, so God, I don't even uh, so know since, how long of that was. <laughs> since second grade, and uh, David's been playing uh, board games, and I know that Xbox Live and some online places have allowed you to play things like Settlers of Catan, uh, Carcassonne, 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 Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne. Uh, but yeah. you guys play it all like he—he he actually plays it on a board, so it's not like that. With you guys who like to play it on Xbox Live, get with the times where man. you can talk trash uh, and not have to back it up. If I talk trash in a board game, guy's gonna grab like his little uh, like tin orc and shove it in my face and try and cut me with it. So that that's the danger. You can be a little punk on Xbox Live, but David Heath brings it for real. He's a big guy. If you talk You'll some see. smack across the board, he's gonna take a twelve-sided die and shove it up your ass. He's been known. And, and my sister Michelle, she basically got warned that if she continues that kind of language, she's going to get kicked off the uh, what website? Hmm? What website? Oh, I don't know what website. Settlers of Catan website. Of Catan, yeah, yeah. She, she's a little more aggressive than I am. So she she's talking time. trash. On she's the talking trash. Catan so website. On the, yeah, like on the on the on the forums, I guess. That is awesome. Yeah. So I've got gaming in my blood uh, here. So let's start with <laughs> this is Geekscape. In case you just listened to that whole little diatribe and don't know what I'm talking about, this is a podcast that's movies, video games, and comics. And board games. And we're going to be talking board games today. Um, and uh, every week we try and do some news, we try and do some reviews, and uh, basically just bring you guys the latest. I thought he was a, uh, an expert. Jacob. I'm Jacob? Or Jacob, why did I call you Jacob? <laughs> Jacob was my last awesome guest. You're yeah, Brent. Yeah, yeah. Brent uh, works in, uh, in film distribution and exhibition, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be talking some movies. Now, Brent called me and said, hey, man, what movies are we talking about this week? And I said, well, uh, I went to see Alvin and the Chipmunks. And he's like, cool, I can rush out and get it. And I was like, no, no, no. literally. I, I was, I was going to submit myself to it. You were going to take one for the it. team. I was. Just to show solidarity to the Geekscape crew. Which is what this is about. But 
uh, Laura and I took a friend of the family's uh, kid. He was six to see Elvin and the Chipmunks last Sunday. And this is a movie with, uh, I guess he got, um, who do you have in this movie? Um, Jason, Jason Lee, Lee. David Cross. David Cross. And Jason Lee plays Dave Seville, Dave Seville, the down and out musician. David Cross is a good friend of his from college who's now a big record exec and not as good a friend anymore. But he's willing to give Dave a chance if he can get him a hit song, which he can't. When these three chipmunks show up, they've got the talent, they've got the uh, gimmick, they can be big stars. And so uh, Dave has to fight his former best friend from corrupting the, uh, the chipmunks and turning them into the gazillionaires and Britney Spears type celebrities. And it is a cute little movie. Okay. Uh, if you want to take a kid, for those of you out there who have kids, I think your kids would enjoy it. It's better than a, like an underdog or uh, some of the other talking animal movies. It's actually um, better than underdog. Yeah, it's kind of a cute movie. Okay. Like uh, Jason Lee kind of fa- like faxes it in a little. Yeah, you can tell. He, he hams it up a little yeah. bit. But uh, it's a likable movie. David Cross is entertaining. You guys know exactly what you're expecting going into this movie. It won't give you too much more. But it won't make you feel like you wasted the afternoon. Uh, I, I thought for taking a kid to see this movie, mm-hmm. it's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what it was. And uh, it ended right about the right time. So all the families being dragged to it over Christmas aren't going to just be tortured. No, no. This is not uh, the golden dumbass, <laughs> which is what a lot of families might be dragging themselves to. Waste of time. Won't be happening. No uh, sequels. David talked about possibly going to see the Golden Dumbass, and I said, the, the, "You are out of the family." Here's the thing, though. That movie, like, it's set in such an interesting world. Like, I would have liked to have seen it continue, but just it's like it bombed. And like Aragon. You want to see more family, more, more no, fantasy films? No, no, no. Aragon was awful. I don't think there was a good. Aragon basically took my soul and raped it. Yeah, Aragon was horrible. <laughs> it was painful to watch that movie. And I love how, like, John Malkovich, you could tell he was on set for, like, half an hour. Yeah, John Malkovich, get him in here, put him <laughs> up against the red yeah. curtain, and uh, say, say your dialogue. Can I just make it up? Yeah, sure, do it. <laughs> um, so, Alvin and the Chipmunks is light, fair, it may be what you want, that's fine. I think it's worth noting that uh, a member of our forums, Will... Will K? Yeah, he actually did some of the uh, computer animation on Alvin and the Chipmunks. I was impressed, Will. Good job. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to take his word for it. It was cool. You know, I mean, I spend so much time with like Hank and Cheese and Rufus, uh-huh. like our little dogs that, uh, and basically this, this is what my day looks like. Like, like usually I'm writing or I'm editing uh, or I'm on the phone. I, I work out of the house um, or I'm cutting Geekscape, I'm talking to you guys on the forums. And uh, I've only got the dogs as company. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I talk to them. And, and if That's you guys awesome. have seen my Christmas photos, you know yeah. that I dress them up. Yeah. Uh, so Laura turned. She said, "Hey, do you want to take uh, Nico to see Alvin and the Chipmunks and give you know her parents a little bit of a break, his parents a little bit of a break, and take him to see a movie, which is fine." And I said, "Sweetie, in all honesty, mentally, I think dogs and animals can actually talk, and I don't know how detrimental a movie where they do <laughs> talk is going to be to my reality. Because right. there are times when I'm like, shit, like they're like." You know how, like, in a movie, like, Elvin and the Chipmunks or Underdog, a talking dog, is the cute thing? Uh-huh. I'm starting to see it as a norm. Like, like, awesome. like it's no more weird than an actor speaking okay. to you. So, uh, here in 20 years, when they're making the, the biopic of Jonathan London. No. The, the, the only way that's going to happen is if, like, I kill somebody and do something well, crazy. go for it. If I he... do something OJ style. Yeah. But I have to, like, get OJ popularity and then do something. I have to go beyond OJ because I'm not as popular as OJ. Right. I gotta, do it. I gotta do something like satanic, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm nobody. We'll brainstorm. I mean, if if I have some success somehow, mm-hmm. and they do a biopic, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say, uh, would you like to hire Will to do the computer animation on Hank and Cheese? Because no real dog's gonna be able to capture it. <laughs> there is a, like, uh, so you guys know that I've been working on a presentation for television and. Uh, somebody asked me, I had the guys in Sweaty Robot read my script, because uh, we're getting ready to shoot, um, which is cool because we got everything locked before the strike, and mm-hmm. now the strike is kind of killing our competition. Yes. When the strike ends, people are going to be very hungry to see things, and we're going to be here with our little presentation, and, and uh, the people at the studio are happy about it, and they're excited about it. 
and, he, and they were like, what's the core cast? And I said, well, there's four people, uh-huh. four regulars, uh, an animated character, okay. an eight-year-old version of one of the characters who he sees like in mirrors mm-hmm. and, and in old photos and stuff, and then there's, a, there's Cheese, which is my dog, uh-huh. but uh, he's the only one with superpowers. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and, and he can act, you know what I mean? So uh-huh. like, he doesn't talk in, this, in, in, this, in the, the series, but he has the only superpowers, which... Uh, you know the series about being single, which is what I'm scared of most in the world. Uh-huh. And uh, his powers are that he can smell STDs. That's so awesome. like, if you're a single guy yeah. and you're stuck you're... with a dog, and you're like, "What the why hell? Not? Why do I? I don't want a dog. I, I want to. I want women." And you're stuck with this dog, and, and you hate it. What do you want? You want a dog that's going to be like your personal tester. You know? Not to ruin the, your pilot, but how exactly does the dog inform the owner? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, like, when my dog is pissed off at me, I oh, know it. Okay. You know why? Because there's a giant, like, stain on the floor or something, okay. or, like, someone gets bit. So if he just you know? pisses all over the place, you're like, avoid that chick. Uh, no, you, usually it's very vocal, and okay. it's like, you know. I want to thank you, by the way, for introducing me to this uh, peach uh, You are tea. drinking the, the Crystal Light peach tea. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, so if you guys want something a little more challenging to watch in the cinemas. Gilmore and I went to an advanced screening of this movie. It's called There Will Be Blood. It's an adaptation loosely of the early portions of the book Oil, which is about the Texas uh, oil industry. And um, you've got Daniel Day-Lewis. The movie starts out in the hills of uh, West Texas, and he's in the middle, he's in like a a mine, Mm -hmm. and he's getting quartzite He's mining for quartzite so he can sell it to melt into glass and make some money and build up different parts of this little hole that he's been digging in. Yeah. And he's got a full beard. It's Daniel Day-Lewis, so you know the performance is tight as hell. And it's P.T. Anderson, so the camera work is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very minimal. You know how like in movies with... Uh, uh, you've got Boogie Nights. You've got... Um, he, did, he did it a lot in the Adam Sandler movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, yeah. where he does these one take masters, mm-hmm. where he takes like a steady cam and he floats through the scene, following yeah. a guy outside, goes back in. Um, this has fewer of those one take masters, uh-huh. um, and a lot more just stage blocking camera, so that those pushes and those movements really hit you. Yeah, it means something. And, and they work to build the tension because this movie is a three-hour exercise in the building of tension. Um, this guy starts in a hole, he's digging the for rocks, he gets enough money to build it up, and he gets some more people involved, hires mm-hmm. them, and they, they, they strike oil. You've, this, is 19, this is 1898. The movie flashes forward a couple years, and now they, they have, you know, they had the success. They, they turn that little bit of success into more drill, drilling, mm-hmm. more oil wells. Ultimately, a kid comes to him, played by Paul Dano. And yeah, he says, "Little Miss Sunshine kid, Little Miss Sunshine dude, the the kid who the brother, and uh, and also Klitsy from yeah, <laughs> Girl Klitsy. Next Door." Um, so he comes to Daniel Day Lewis and he says, "If you give me money, I will tell you where the oil spills out of the ground." And he basically sells out his family's ranch. It mm-hmm. says, "My family lives on a piece of land where I know there's oil," and gives them the money. He gives them the location. Daniel Day-Lewis goes with his son, he explores, and um, yeah, there's oil there. And now there's the process of him dishonestly kind of working his way into the community Mm -hmm. to get filthy, filthy rich. And it's one of those big, epic rise and fall stories, Um, but it's so worth watching, and it's so well done, and the performance is exquisite. And even now that I'm telling you that it's... Daniel Day-Lewis' character's son, right. even that is not completely true. Everything in this movie has different uh, facets to it, you know? Yeah. So I think that the initial trailer, where it was just, uh, just the Daniel Day-Lewis monologue, was just so good, like I said, building tension. And if that's carried out through the movie, then right on. It is. You guys who liked them as like Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York thought that was a kick-ass performance. Imagine a performance that well done and well pieced together and that complete in a movie that actually supports the performance because Gangs in New York had a lot of inconsistencies. Gangs in New York was a mess of a movie. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't like Gangs in New York, but mm-hmm. if you're going to see somebody's mess, at least it's Scorsese's yeah, mess. It was an interesting mess, sense? but it was a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but this is this is a tight movie throughout. Be ready to spend three hours in a theater. Be ready to spend a little bit of patience waiting for the explosions that are, are going to happen between these characters. So uh, it's definitely one of, where would I put it in my tops of 2007? It's definitely in the top ten. Top five is pretty crowded. Um, but as far as like performers I want to see actually get the Oscars, I think right. it's, it's him and like Javier Bardem. Yeah. Like, you know, those guys, those of you who've seen uh, No Country, love that performance. This is a performance that's just as good. So I think one of those two guys will probably be the dudes who end up with like an Oscar. Almost every week in this kind of season, every year, like a new movie will come out and be like, that's the one that's going to win Best Actor or Best right. Picture. Like every week it's a new one. That's it's how it is. fresh in people's minds. But then February rolls around and you're like, fuck yes, crap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like January and February. Uh, there are some interesting movies coming in January this year, though. You well, got you've Rainbow got Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Uh, I think um, so. It's, it's a weird spot for a dumping ground. The know? thing is, like, like it's kind of like August. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you've got May, June, July, and those are like when you get the Spider-Man threes, the Iron Mans, yeah. the Kick-Ass tentpole movies, Dark Knight, whatever Mission Impossible. Mm. And um, and then you've got like the August movies where they kind of put movies like Stealth, yeah, which just aren't going to win those those weekends. And then you've got movies that they're trying to slide under the radar, uh, like an American Pie, uh, which was successful with an August Super release. Bad Super year. bad had an, a huge release uh, this year. And then uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Would Sixth Sense have played that well for that long if, if it, it had competing. gone up against? Yeah. What was the bigger another big movie from that summer '99? Blair Witch was another one that kind of crept in there yeah. and had a long life. Matrix was, Matrix was spring of 99, I think. But, it, I mean, people yeah. watched it. Uh, and now you start to see March turn into that um, with things like 300. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you start to see, like, March and April kind of be the the prep. And, right. and like, that movie uh, Wanted that was based on the graphic novel. Got, it was nothing got, like the graphic novel. Right, and it got moved from March. Mm-hmm. I guess the studio really liked it. They moved it from March to July. It looks cool. A lot of people were kind of shitting on the trailer, and uh, I'm I'm down for wanted. I think it looks interesting. Yeah, I'm 100% okay with it. it with with the graphic novel being its own thing mm-hmm. and the movie being its own thing, and hopefully they can coexist and they're both equally satisfactory. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I was satisfied. Have you seen uh, Night Watch and Day Watch? The I have Russian. What do you think? It's crazy fucking Russian shit. Yeah. See, because like, that's the I, guy I, doing Wanted. And that's and fine. I think I think visually those are very fun movies. They're silly as hell. Right. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think if he can maintain that visual sense. Am I, like, screwing up something? No, I'm, I'm trying to gauge the distance of your mic. Am I and, down? And I don't know. Like, like he sounds fine, Dave, right? He sounds fine. The, the levels are fine. He's, just, he's eyeing my chest. And I'm trying yeah, to I'm looking at it. I'm here. like, hmm, no, no, because if I put it here, we're just going to get your whiskers. Like, that little whisker, you hear that? And, yeah. uh... And, uh, yeah, I didn't find those movies to be, like, narratively as, ex- like, accessible. Yeah, they, they, were, they were silly, and, and kind of, they were messes as well. But Do you think that was in the translation? In the, the, I, don't, I don't think so. I can't imagine that movie making sense in Russian. If that dude did a Tetris film, you think it would be, be <laughs> a badass? Tetris film? I would go see anybody do a Tetris film. <laughs> How would you adapt tr- there Tetris? Was a, no, there was actually, um, for those of you who read Penny Arcade, uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you're down I, with it. No, I, I like Penny Arcade. I think uh, it's funny. A year or two ago, they had a, a kind of spoof on, I think it was when Michael Bay announced that he was going to do Transformers. But they had this uh, Michael Bay doing a Tetris, and it had these Tetris blocks just like blowing up buildings and stuff. It's funny. It was, yeah, like I'd go see it. I think um, like there, there's a, an adaptation that they announced this week. I definitely think it's going to be one of the better movies ever made. Uh, it's the adaptation of Tekken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, the director who's doing it—I don't even know his name—but I know he did Anaconda Two, Quest for the Blood Orchid Which Diamond. Is so good, so good. Did you actually see that? I, I actually—you piece my, of garbage. No, here's what: like my uh, my ex roommate uh, Clifton. Hey, what's up, Clifton? Way to pick him. Uh, like loves 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 horror movies, and so we would sit and just watch. I mean, we would sit and have like trauma marathons. Dude, that's know? a gauntlet. It's a total gauntlet. And uh, and we we uh, we tortured ourselves with anacondas too. And how was it? It was it was awful. And, uh, <laughs> but you do get to see a giant anaconda like mating ball. What, what does that mean? It's like multiple. It's all anacondas? these anacondas like screwing in a giant 
writhing ball, and they have to like jump over this pit with this these fucking anacondas in it. You know, Gilmore just like put that on his Netflix. Oh yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, anac- animals fucking. I'm there. Uh, that's how he. That's how he works. I kind of miss him, Gilmore. I'm here in Texas. I kind of miss you. It's weird doing a show without um, Mount Gilmore. Some kind of like it's gonna be weird for the audience. Not, not like leaning like, into their car stereo. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> trying to hear what the. Where's guy that the little Neobnub looking guy? Yeah, uh, Nub is the little dude who piloted the Millennium Falcon on the attack of the second Death Star with our good friend Lando. For those of you, good call. You know the great thing about doing Geekscape. Uh huh. Everybody listening was like, I know yeah, who Neobnub is. Like, come on. Come There's on. no explanation needed. You can just throw Dose. this shit out. Dose. You're falling into a, uh, a pattern. Like, you started year two exactly like you started year one. Well, with Ian, and then, like, the second trip episode. To, uh, yeah, and you're on the second episode. But, yeah. but uh, I mean, that's how I live my life. Like, yeah. the promise I wanted to make was that you guys won't ever get a clip show. Yeah. Is what that, I mean, motherfuckers, I can give you a clip show. No clip shows. <laughs> yeah, I think this is yeah. better than a clip show. No, definitely. But I think you should make it a theme. Much. Like, you should, you should follow year one and copy every The episode. only problem is I don't want to see the Yanks again. Yeah. And that would mean that, that would come be around me. May, I would have to see, go to New York go and to see New York our, and one see of our more, more notorious listeners, Big Yanks, uh. um, in New York. So the Tekken movie, I'm not going to see that. Um, we also have the big, really the big news this week is that Peter Jackson and New Line have totally uh, kissed and made up. Kissed and made up. They're Which gonna. We knew it was gonna happen. They're gonna do a Hobbit film. Then they're gonna make a sequel. A sequel. Uh, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are the executive producers of these uh, two films, but it's still undecided whether or not Peter Jackson's gonna direct them. I gotta tell you, uh, he's doing Tintin. He's yeah. He's his finishing plate is Lovely full. Bones. Uh, possi- the, you talked about the possibility of Sam Raimi doing it, but he just he signed on to do this uh, "Drag Me to Hell," which is kind of like which will a, take him like two weeks to shoot. It, yeah, because it's going to be Evil Dead yeah, style. It's going to be totally it's gonna be like Dead kind of a roided up version of an Evil Dead yeah. movie, which I am thrilled about. Like I think he after Spider Man Three, which I think everyone universally agrees was crap. Did you see that, Dave? Spider-Man 3? Oh, no, I did not. Okay. It, it, yeah. I think he needs to just, like, pare down. Reset the... Yeah. Reset the, the, like... Get away from the big budget. Get away from the special effects. Just, like, go back to... Because, like, the best scene out of all the Spider-Man movies, to me, is Spider-Man 2 in the hospital, which oh, is total wow. even yeah. dead. Like, he just needs to do that. That's something that I just didn't get. Like, like... When they announced, when it was discovered that Venom was going to be the, a villain in Spider-Man yeah. Two or Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, Three, I, I said, I said, okay, now we've got a chance. Like, I don't like Venom. Raimi doesn't like Venom. But no. if, but if somebody's going to bring Venom into cinema, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's, it's Raimi because Venom's as much uh, like an internal mental villain mm-hmm. for for Peter as he is a physical villain. Right. You know what I mean? Like he can toss Spider-Man all over the damn place. But they've also got this internal con- connection from him having worn the symbiote. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I could not see how this movie happened where you have to tackle, okay, how do I represent visually in a, in a film Peter's struggle with this thing mentally? In, in this, it, with Topher Grace's face. In, it, it, well, yeah. And this, right. is, this is how they show Peter turning bad not by doing Raimi cam or Raimi flash nightmare type imagery like he does in every one of his movies yeah, but by, do it by the dude cookies dancing down the motherfucking street yeah. and asking for cookies and doing like a scene from the mask yeah. playing a piano that's that's some that's how I that, was that, that is how venom turned you bad I would want cookies it doesn't work like it just it, what a letdown um, so yeah you're right it's it's time for him to recalibrate Maybe get his uh, his bearings again. Which is why I hope that he doesn't do Hobbit. He doesn't take the big okay. the big budget thing. And uh, I'm actually down because there's a, a rumor going around that Del Toro will take over and uh, direct the Hobbit, which I think would be awesome. Because I like we were talking about this earlier. I think we've seen Peter Jackson's Middle Earth, and the Hobbit is it feels different than Lord of the Rings, and I think it'd be cool to see someone else kind of bring their vision to it. So I'm down for Del Toro doing the Hobbit. Yeah, um, the. The Hobbit was kind of like the book that was my first big boy book. Mm-hmm. I was in fourth grade. My parents had just divorced. And I remember, like, every summer we used to go to Mexico to spend, like, at least a month with my grandparents. Yeah. But we would drive down there in, like, a Subaru. Awesome. And I remember my dad giving me a copy of The Hobbit, 
off of this trip, and I remember laying on the on like the luggage in the back of the Subaru, reading The Hobbit, and just like whatever I was going through at the time mm-hmm. with the family, like whatever pain I was in or this and that, like it was such a big part of like bringing me into the love of fantasy and escapism yeah. and Same here. this and that. It's just such an important book, and uh, I would be cool with Peter Jackson uh, directing it, but I, I agree that there is a different flavor to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with the spiders, yeah. and, and, and he actually goes into the feels, Misty Mountain. It feels more dark. fantasy like than Lord of the Rings does. And the, the trolls that turn to stone. Yes. You've got... Um, it's not as big, Smog, and it's more... Dragon with the crystals linear. in his chest. Yeah. What do you think? Of possibly of Guillermo del Toro doing the Hobbit, you're a big fucking you love that shit. I love that shit. Yeah, I saw each uh, each of them four times in the theater. I'm I'm a big geek when it comes to Tolkien. You can sit over here, oh, yeah, David. Maybe sure. the mic will pick you up a little bit better. And then no, no. Okay. And then, then when we talk to games, we will Pretty switch the mics. Yeah. Just right, right there, okay. right there. But you're a big. You love that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to disagree. I really I want to I want to see Peter Jackson. Okay. Because uh, I want to see continuity. Consistency. Yeah, I, think, I get consistency. Yeah. I think a lot of the Lord of the Rings fans are probably going to be the same way. They're going. That's what their expectation is. Mm-hmm. They saw it and they, they liked what they saw in the first three, and I think they're going to want to have the same uh, the same vision. If there is that side. I, I can't really argue with that either. You yeah. know, if, if Peter Jackson does Peter it, Jackson I will not. Will adapt yeah. it too. Like like like. He knows it's a different flavor. Yeah. He knows it's a different deal. I, I would not be upset at all if Jackson did. I'm just saying it'd be cool to see someone else do it. So, I think that's huge news. Um, speaking of Del Toro, the Hellboy 2 trailer came out. It's not available in a format that I can encode into the, the thing. So, uh, just trust me when I tell you that it looks like Hellboy 1, but there's a lot of Pan's Labyrinth yeah. in it. It's in definitely more Lovecraftian, more kind of Del Toro. Uh, I got the. Uh, I haven't read the script yet, but I want to, and I'm hoping that. Uh, I'm just hoping that that the things that w- fell short in the Hellboy movie mm-hmm. were just, just because of Del Toro's stature in Hollywood and the fact that he went through this development period for so long with Hellboy, where there were crazy ideas. Like he only turns into Hellboy when he gets mad. Yeah. And like, well, guys, we were lucky to get the Hellboy movie that we got. You know what I mean? Like we were lucky to get that movie, and. Um, uh, I, think they, I think they gave him free reign on this one. So. And I think that with Pan's Labyrinth being as successful as it was, hopefully he'll have gotten a little bit more breathing room to, to give us the actual Hellboy. He may have not been able to totally give us in part one where like that, that, that human protagonist that they've pushed, pushed yeah, into the BPRD didn't work. Like We wanted to be with Hellboy. Yeah. We wanted to be with an active protagonist, and there really wasn't... I felt like the protagonist role was shared... Mm-hmm. Kind of the problems with the prequels too. Like, yeah. like you don't know really who the main character is, who am I following, and what does he have to accomplish by the end of the movie? Yeah. So by the time Hellboy gets to the bad guy, you haven't been with him enough to really feel the the, the drama of him possibly getting killed by this thing. Yeah. And plus, he kills the thing in like five, five seconds. seconds. Yeah. Just throws a. He fights that. He fights that thing in the subway for like yeah. thirty minutes, and then this giant. Pentacle monster, Lovecraft monster, he kills in five seconds, and you're like, and just really? From the, from the Hellboy trailer, I'm, I'm curious to see what the climactic battle is going to be, because right. they, they seem to show three separate kind of enemies. And yeah, so I'm not there's, sure. the, there's the prince, the elf prince. Yeah, the, the drows. The drows? Yeah. You did some reading. There's the... No, they're not actually drows. Like, <laughs> they do look like the they drows. They look like drows. Then there's the, uh, the big tusk dude, the yeah. enforcer dude. The guy, oh yeah, that's, that, that's four. Then there's the guy who looks straight out of Pan's Labyrinth, the mm-hmm. crazy eyes on the wings guy. And then there's that big tentacle monster at the end. Yeah, I, I love the big tentacle monsters. I'm Gotta more... love tentacle monsters. Have you seen the Lovecraft monster yet? Which one? Or the uh, the Cloverfield monster? I haven't, I, I, I'm avoiding. Yes, I'm staying you're like away. me. I don't want to see it. I don't. Like even on the forums, they're like trying to like take stills from the trailer. Like, oh, you can see wings. Like, I don't want. I don't there, want there's that one last trailer for Cloverfield and the scene, the shot where they're hiding in the convenience store, and you can kind of see something through the through the like the silhouette. The silhouette. It looks but those like a, look. Those you know look what like it looks tiny like? Monsters. It looks like ba- it looks like a bear. Yeah. It looks like it's like an evil teddy like rock being attacked by a, little bears. Which I would be down with. I would be a, I would be down with a gummy bears movie where the gummy bears are bad. Oh, that would be. And awesome. they are jumping here and there and everywhere, and they're taking you with them. Could you imagine that they shoot laser beams out of their chest instead of love? Oh, no, rainbows. that's Care Bears. Yeah. 
Oh, what I'm are you talking gummy bears? Gummy bears. Where they take the roid juice and they jump all over the damn place on yeah. their asses? I used to love taking gummy bears and biting the heads off of one color and mixing them together. So you get like a white head and a red body. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's unique. How, how do you sleep at night? Uh, so that that's some movie news. Uh, we're clipping through the show. Uh, I Comic books is something that we talk about uh, on the show. Last week we had Ian on the show, and the dude is just... I, lo- I, I can listen to that dude talk about comics a lot. Um, this week I brought some comics home, but they were the same old. You guys really want me to talk about Messiah Complex again? Um, uh, being home kind of gives you a chance to catch up on your reading, and a couple months ago our good listener Tyler Copas sent me a, like a, some anime and some manga because... I have some problems with anime and manga. I, I can't totally get into it. And he's like, let me educate you. And that's really what I need. I need somebody to hold me by the hand and bring me into this world. Uh, so he thought it would be a good idea to, to start me up with some uh, Shonen Jump Advanced. And uh, so he sent me book one, which is this Death Note. And so I start reading it backwards, which is how you read manga. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's a story about uh, there's two worlds. There's a human world, and then there's the world uh, with these gods. Okay. Right? And uh, and they're kind of like trickster gods. that They play with us, but they, they also play with like life and death. Mm-hmm. And there's a death notebook that this one keeps. And he accidentally leaves it in the world of man. Uh-huh. And this uh, kid named Light, this high school kid who is like doing like college prep classes, and he's one of the smartest kids in the nation, finds this death note. And he sees the rules, and the rules are, if you write someone's name into this note, into this notebook, they will die within 40 seconds. That's rough. You have to have their head, their face in your mind when you write their name so that they will, uh, so you, you know, I, I can't be like, oh, Brent Moore, and then some other motherfucker dies. I have to right. be literally thinking of thinking Brent Moore, and then you die. Uh, then you write That's how, why I wear a mask, yeah. always. <laughs> then you write how they, how they die, and... Um, if you don't write how they die, they die of a heart attack, mm. whatever. So he finds this book, and he's like, okay. And, and he, he, he's at his desk, and on the news, you find out this hostage situation going on. And they show the, the image of the bad guy, of the uh-huh. guy who has him hostage. And he goes, this can't be real. Uh-huh. Let me try it. So he, he gets the guy's name. He writes it in the notebook. And then he doesn't write anything else. And he's like watching the TV, watching this live standoff. And then they're like, wait, the hostages are coming out. Uh-huh. And they're like, he just died of a heart attack. And they're like, we don't know what happened. He collapsed. Wow. And so he's like, oh, my God, this notebook works. And the god, this little god that forgot it came, comes in and like, uh-huh. says, listen, it's real. I can't use it anymore because it's in the world of man. You know. So this kid takes it upon himself to start taking out like, the top criminals. Uh-huh. Like on the news, like uh, through the Internet. He finds like, I mean, like, like a Bin Laden type deal. Yeah. You know? So he starts getting like an Interpol start saying, what the hell is going on? Like, all these dudes that we're trying to catch are being found dead or they're dying in jail or, you know, these, these killers, people we, we want out of society. So um, they've hired a detective to find out the cause of these sudden deaths, you know? And uh, so I'm reading this book. It's kind of cool. It deals a little bit with, like, the morality of vigilantism right. to that degree where you're just killing dudes. And there's no way they can catch you yeah. unless you advertise, which I wouldn't. I would just kind of stick up there in my room, and one, one day Gilmore would fall over, and nobody would, <laughs> nobody would be no more, you know, nobody would be the wiser for it. So I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool. And um, dude, Tyler, thanks. Like, yeah. if if I'm not doing enough on the show, like covering enough stuff, help me out. Like, educate me. You know, there's tons of people who sign up on the forums who are like, I don't know superhero books. Give me the superhero oh, yeah. books all the time. You know, we have the, one of those threads like once a month. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. But and the it's answer is always street. Invincible, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. Invincible <laughs> is a solid book. But um, it's a two-way street. So if you guys are, aren't getting what you need out of me, knowledge-wise, throw, throw me some know-how. Actually, about um, maybe a year ago, uh, my friend told me about this. He, uh, his name's Daniel. He was uh, into the anime adaptation of it. He didn't actually read the mangas. He watched uh-huh. the show. And uh, he was really into it and, like, just was dying. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Did you do it? I never did. No. I just, like, anime and me, we parted ways many years ago. Mm -hmm. I was part of the anime club in high school. That's how I rolled. I rolled deep in that. And it got me into Miyazaki. And Miyazaki has a new film coming out this year. Yeah. I'm I'm down with Miyazaki. But, like, just anime in general, like, I used to be up on it, you know. Right. I would watch, like, the Cowboy Bebops and the Berserk and Escaflone, all that stuff. How are we doing on time? 33. 
Oh, that's how much it is on there already? Yep. Okay, so we're, we're rocking. Um, yeah, I'm actually really excited. Like, when a Miyazaki comes out, I'm mm -hmm. really excited. But then you find out stuff like Tokyo Godfather, I saw that, and, the, and I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to check this out. Not it's, so much. It's hours in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I will, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to do a TV show about a dog with superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> An STD sniffing dog. What I like is that they're going to think that that's what the show's really about. <laughs> it's like. You should sell it like that. I think, I think people would be I, down I think with that's it. what. I mean, it's things like that that are easy to say and like, yeah. a, like an executive like picks up on it it's like oh that's easy because because yeah. because you can say it in a sentence and you can put it in an ad or something it's, and it's easy, easy for people joke. to understand std smelling dogs you know what i mean but it's i would like to think that it, there's so much more there yeah <laughs> not too much more there because it's me but <laughs> uh but yeah it's I, i'm pretty excited for 2008 uh I'm excited we'll too. see how long the writer's strike is because we can't really do anything with it until the writer's strike ends which is the the, the rule um so we talked uh, video games, or we talked comics, we talked movies, um, video games. Uh, speaking of like manga and anime type stuff, I picked up this Wii game called Zack and Wiki, the uh, quest for Barbara's treasure, and I got it for Laura. Um, this is a little game where you're a little pirate boy, mm -hmm. and you have this... I'm very interested in this game. Yeah, you have this wiki, wiki. Mm -hmm. It's a little yellow monkey thing with a propeller tail. Okay. And you are a sea pirate, and you're all about the treasure. And the story opens when you're in a ship, like a plane, and you're going to, I guess, this this island where there's supposed to be a fabled ship. Yeah, you have to construct your own parachute right off the bat. Well, right? well yeah, like yeah. you're in this you're in this ship, and this giant gunship run by the bad pirates, led by this this lady with a big like like uh, she takes lipstick and like puts it on a scar on her face and she and it's like and it's all it's all like anime yeah. type flash imagery and stuff and she's got these little skull guys she jumps they jump on your ship and they start smashing little hammers and your ship starts going nuts and yeah. the little your little pirate pilot who's like a, a rabbit you're part of the, the the sea pirates that's your okay. that's your gang uh he's he like jumps ship and so Can't you, trust rabbits. so you're stuck in this plane that is going down and it's going to crash and so you have to take the Wii remote and you have to kind of search around the screen totally in the same way that you did in those old LucasArts Sierra games where you basically have to go item hunting and then yeah. use a different combination of the items to solve the problems and the puzzles in the game. Which I think the Wii like would just be awesome to like revitalize that. In the DS? Yeah. Something that's like touch based or you know, uh, sensor-based where you have to move something around the totally. screen. Uh, My brother just got back into the uh, uh, Curse of Monkey Island games, so I've been those games been hanging out with Guybrush lately. Are perfect. Yeah, uh, and I kind of wanted Laura to kind of like get into that kind of stuff, so I got her to this game, and and a second player. So I, I'm on this I'm on this plane that is going down, and little monkey's trying to talk to me. He's like, "Hey, you're an idiot," and I'm mm. like, "Dude, chill." And Laura's playing, and she's she's picking up boxes and searching for a way to get off this this plane. And uh, and me, the second player, I can take the the second remote and draw pictures, like be like, hey, why don't you try that and highlight different parts of the screen yeah. or draw little lines and stuff. Uh, so we end up pulling the pulling the, the back uh -huh. open, uh, you know, pulling the lever that opens the back of the plane. We jump out, and we don't actually have a parachute. Luckily, a lot of the boxes open up, and they're spilling with us, and uh, there's an umbrella. So, of course, mm -hmm. you get the umbrella, and uh, you take a look at it. Like, you examine the item, uh -huh. and the button to open an umbrella has a 2 on it. And if you look on the Wii remote, there's a 1 in the uh -huh. 2 buttons at the bottom, and you have to press the 2 button That's to awesome. open the umbrella. So, the items that you find in the game, like, I found, like, later in the game, there was a puzzle with some cannibals. Mm -hmm. And they listen to a certain little tune, because one of them has a flute. Okay. You put, have to put the cannibals to sleep, and one of them drops the flute, and the flute will put the fire out to get the treasure. Uh -huh. So you know how those puzzle games work. Yeah, where there's yeah, like yeah. a series. The flute looked like a Wii remote, uh -huh. and when I saw the in the like the like music sheet, it had a uh, it had different buttons from the Wii remote that I had to press in one, order two, and, and use the Wii remote almost as a flute. You use the Wii remote as a saw. You, so it's there's some yeah. mini game aspects to it. But it is the closest 
I've seen in a long time to being one of those old school adventure games. I will definitely check it out then. It's forty bucks yeah, too. Yeah, it's a budget price game, so it's ten bucks cheaper than a regular Wii yeah. game. Uh, and and from what I've read, it's a real challenge. Like so far, it's starting to get a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's funny. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> as much as this game sounds fun right now, it's actually really damn funny. When when I jumped out of this damn plane, I'm sitting there falling to my death. Little motherfucker starts eating a candy bar. <laughs> I was like, what else are you gonna do? He's just like <laughs> eating a chocolate bar, and I'm like, it's those little touches of humor yeah. that what that were what made those funny games like Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max hit the road, like all those cool Lucas Arts games. Have you tried the, the always new had Sam the, and Max the funny games? stuff? I haven't because I don't have a PC. Yeah. And they have like a deal with Gamefly where mm-hmm. you, you have to be a Gamefly member to play it's, it on your PC oh, or Game what? Game Tap maybe. Game Tap. I can't remember what it is. And. Uh, I'm not. I don't play games enough to have that subscription service. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, you can buy it as as a single season now, and it's like twenty, thirty bucks. Is it available for Mac? Probably. PC? You can check it out. I it. I don't want to promise you, but if you promise me and you're wrong, I will cut you. Yeah, I will not promise you. I'm uh, gonna go ahead and say no, so you'd be pleasantly surprised if it is. I yeah. I mean, the, the, this is just a cool game, and and I've been starred for that kind of game for the last what ten years when the last mm-hmm. one came out. So. Uh, I definitely recommend it to anybody who has a Wii and wants that kind of experience. And plus, it's a cool game to play with two people because uh, the stages are kind of single-screen, two-dimensional uh, stages where somewhere in there is a is a treasure chest, and your goal is to get to the treasure chest and get a piece of this fabled pirate that you have to put together. Mm-hmm. So you have to collect all those pieces that are in these treasure chests. And there's puzzles all over these little maps. And you have to slowly work your way through the map in order to get to the puzzle. So there's a little bit of lemmings to it yeah. as well. Um, game is game is definitely a breath of fresh air, and it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like one yeah, of these huge tentpole games. It's one of those, there's another game uh, that I wanted to mention. I mentioned it on the boards. What was it? It's, uh, it's called The Witcher. It's for the PC, so you're yeah, kind of out of luck cool. here. But uh, it's another one. It's just like, it's such a good game. It's like an RPG, kind of like Baldur's Gate or... You know, kind of the old school Bioware Black Isle games, uh-huh. and uh, it's it's just done so well. And after Mass Effect was a little bit disappointing, you like, weren't into it. I was into it. Like it's a good game. I recommend it. But it's just like it should have been so much better. It's not up to like Knights of the Old Republic. Do you think? Did you use the wrong story path? Do you think or what? No, no, no. I don't think it's a story problem. It's a it's a gameplay problem. It's just uh, I don't know how much time we have. I don't want to go into it too much. I think we're doing fine. Nineteen minutes left. 19 yeah, minutes left. Yeah. We're good? Yeah. Uh, the problem with Mass Effect is it kind of suffers from personality disorder. Like, it doesn't quite know what kind of game it wants to be. It's, uh, like, the battle, the way it sets up its its combat system, it kind of wants to marry the, the turn-based kind of pause and plan out your thing that, like, Night Children Republic had. But it also has this kind of Gears of War third-person shooter thing. That's what I was wondering, because I knew that there was some kind of action element to it. Yeah, and, and so you don't quite know how to play the game. And it doesn't help you at all in that respect. It doesn't tell you, there's no tutorial, there's no, you're just kind of figuring out as you go along. And uh, just that gameplay element, once you get the hang of it, it's okay. But you never really feel like you're in control of these battles. You don't feel like you're really planning them out, and they all kind of play out in the same way. Um, and the inventory mis- uh, system is a mess. You just get so many items, and there's no easy way to go through them and kind of divide them. Um, I've heard co- yeah complain about the inventory system. Yeah, it's just. Did you beat the game? I beat the game, um, and I will probably beat it again and go through it and just be a complete dick because that was kind of the, oh, you were the nice virtuous kid. character. So there, there are different endings depending. Like Fable, there's different no, there's, endings depending. I think on the ending is the same no matter what you do because it's, it's just, bleeding. It's part of a trilogy, yeah. so you kind of have to. Uh, I mean, Bioware was talking about how the second game was going to use the same save file mm-hmm. as this game. Yeah, and like, I, I'm sure they would go along with that. That drove me nuts in like those old games like King's Quest and, yeah. and stuff like that, where I'd, I or like those old role-playing games like an Ultima or something mm-hmm. like that, where you'd use the same character, you'd get them to a certain point, but then you'd lose everything at the beginning of the yeah. of the second game. I think the Heroes Quest games tried to use the same save file for all of them so that the accomplishments and the stat points that you built up through the first game, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd start the second game with somebody comparable. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I like that. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to that system. Like, but the game itself, it's flawed. Yeah, and, um, and all those things. I mean, the game itself, is, it's, it's kind of funky, like just playing it. 
but the, you can deal with it. You can work around it. You can get used to it. The thing that really kind of sucks about it is, like, you come to expect from Bioware and from these RPGs in general, like, this massive story that takes, you know. That's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I almost didn't. I, I didn't get the game because I was like, I'm never going to have enough time no, to really is, experience like, this. If you just focus on doing the main quest, you will beat the game in like 13 hours, which is short for yeah. really any game. Um, and if you do all the side quests, you can bump it up to 30 hours. But the side quests are pretty awful. Like they're just they're usually fetch quests. They all kind of they're all the same thing. You have to drive this stupid car over these planets. It's just all filler. Like no, like you go to these planets to explore, <laughs> and like the the mechanics for driving this car are like Pain ridiculous. In the ass. Yeah, and you just have to drive over these mountains and find minerals, and like it's just really boring, and it's all just like it's just padding the length of the game. And so really, all like the only thing that's compelling is the main quest, and you can just rust through that really fast. But this Witcher game that I'm that I kind of oh, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you guys to check it out. It's kind of the antithesis of that. It's this really long game with some really like compelling choices that you have to make as a character and you can see how it manipulates the game and what changes is it about it. What, now what's the story all right you're you're a witcher which i don't know if that's a real word or not is, is that uh, like a wigger no it's not okay. like a wigger okay um but you're this you're kind of a uh this pale skin kind of you know you got pale skin you got this uh white hair you kind of look dead and you're a bounty hunter essentially that kills monsters yeah. Yeah, I can see how somebody with white hair and like yeah. pale skin can hide in places. Yeah, in the shadows. And uh, they're kind of looked down upon. They're like they're kind of yeah, because he's got like, scurvy. Yeah, but they're not needed. Like the world has moved okay. on from the Witchers. Okay, they've actually evolved in. Yeah, people like they them. have governments, they have organizations and armies that can. So they're kind of Jedi cities. style. Yeah. Okay. And so like, why do you, why do you need a bounty hunter? Why should we pay this guy to kill monsters when we can handle it ourselves? Kind of deal. And so you're this Witcher, and you've kind of woken up from. Something that I'm not quite sure yet. You don't remember anything. You're kind of re-meeting all these characters uh, as you go along the game. And uh, I'm probably 15, 20 hours into it. And it's just now and it's starting just be- to open it's just up. beginning. Like, it's just... Motherfucker, where do you have the time to play this game? Where do you play... Where, where do you live? I live in Big Spring, Texas. That's, that'll do it. That's, that's it. He, you live in the setting of, of, uh, of No Country for Old Men. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> like, I watched the movie in Odessa, which plays a part in the, uh, in the film. It's just it's just wide open barren land, and so lots of video games going on. <laughs> um, but the, but it's good. And, and it's good. And, I, like, what's if, the what's the role play? It's role playing. Yeah, like if you're a what fan. Was the, what's of, the game mechanics? Like, how is this different than like? Well, it's it's not like uh, uh, the best way to describe it is if you're a fan of the old games. I don't know if you've played like Baldur's Gate yeah, or yeah, uh, yeah. Planescape. Torment. So it's, it's it's so it's a kind of a yeah, it's kind a, of that isometric view isometric and like. Yeah, right. You just kind of point and click, and you can control it basically all with your mouse. And uh, I really like would compare it to Planescape Torment, those of you who know that game. Because you can't alter your character. You're this guy. You're this a witcher named uh, Geralt. Like, you can't manipulate him in any way. Just like in Planescape, you were that zombie dude. Uh, and just the mechanic of it is very similar. So if you're into those games, check out The Witcher, really. Because it's, it's getting no coverage. Is there a way to play it with other people? No, it's, it's not, not like an MMO. It's not or multiplayer like, at all. Ultimately. It's a complete single-player experience. Okay. So that might drive some people away, but I recommend it. That's uh, my contribution. <laughs> do, do you mind if we have David sit in your seat? I guess so. For a second, and um, he's going to tell me why here, these board games are yeah. So much now better. David here has a, a, a. I think it's a pretty good gripe. Um, go ahead and stand up. Let's have David sit down. Go ahead and 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 check with the camera there. Um, let me hook you up. This is this is my brother David. Um, he is married to my he, he he is married to my sister Michelle, and they are totally all about the board games. Absolutely. Many of us who have like the Wii, the the Xbox, mm-hmm. the PS3, we think that that board games <coughs> means B O R E D. Yeah, and we get that a lot. We're not down with that. We get that a lot. But 
I mean, we played. You guys had me play Settlers of Catan with you guys, yeah, yeah. like before it was like on Xbox, or I knew anything about it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fun. Well, first of all, I'm I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm, I'm not going to uh, diss uh, the computer games much at all. I mean, there's the. I want you to out fight there. him. Oh, okay, okay. You guys are just horrible. You're demonic. You've taken people away from uh, a great social social interaction. Set, social interaction. Uh, you're, social you're, interaction. You're the main cause the way, for destroying society. Is yeah, that so, social interaction in, in yeah, playing this, board games this is, is board basically rage. means being in the back room of a comic shop or in like your mom's basement, playing your friends and eating Doritos. Like, oh, that, that's <laughs> the classical view. Now those are the role players. Don't don't confuse us with them. Okay. But I don't know. We're 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 pretty close. I'm sorry. Yellow stained fingers. Oh, Mountain Dew. You've left out Mountain Dew. That's the most <laughs> essential part of it is Mountain Dew. You have to have Mountain Dew. So, so you, you go to like shops and play. Like you have people not really. Over? Well, our our group. I mean, people do these in different settings now. Uh, I haven't done a lot of this lately, okay. but uh, okay. I, miniatures players. People who do like the miniature war games where they have like the big, huge armies. Could be at fantasy, be at World War Two, be at uh, ancients. Most of the time, you're going to find them at conventions. You're going to find them in the uh, big shops doing those kind of things. Uh, the groups that I've been uh, associated with lately, you'll you know, sometimes you'll find them at conventions. We just had a big convention up in Dallas, Board Game Geek Convention, a huge, it's becoming a big mecca convention for uh, board games called? in America. Board Game Geek Con. Okay. Based on the the, the website Board Game Geek. But and you're part of a group. Do you guys have like a website or something? Uh, we have a Yahoo group. We're called Gamers Without Borders. And there's a, a whole story behind that. I don't know if I'd have the time to go into. But ba- well, you basically, send board games to Africa. Huh? To send board games to Africa. Um, I don't know if we got an audience there yet. I okay. think really uh, there, it'd be more effective if we send them to Germany. Actually, Germany is sending most of the games over. Germany actually is where where a lot of this a lot of the uh, the industry is right now. Do you think that is because they try and build these maps for a future Nazi takeover? <laughs> like, do you think that they're developing like strategic systems? Oh, for, I don't know. I'd love to hear. Uh, we, we actually have a German German board gamer in our group, uh, Christoph. I'd love to hear his reaction. Is he to pretty it, good? Oh, oh, he's he's real. Good. He's like he, first you he, take out like if, he's. Like the, all about the strength of Deutschland. And uh, that's right. Taking that's, out that's Belgium. To, that's just totally Kristoff. That's uh, we had we had a. Uh, I'll had, take Poland first. It's like why did you take that move? Yeah, we had a we had an interesting interaction on our Yahoo group. Uh, one of the guys was talking about a board game. Uh, I forget I forget the name of it. There's so many out there, but this was about the Battle of Britain, about mm-hmm. uh, you know the bombing raids, and uh, and he said he made some comment, and this was not Kristoff. Was another guy he said. Yeah, I had a hard time with those Weasley Krauts, and he writes back, Oh, sorry, Christoph, I didn't realize you were out there. <laughs> and he has Emus spelled Krauts upon, on top of that. Oh, how dare you. Yeah, how dare you. Uh, so, um, what are some of the big games you've been playing? Like like Carcassonne? Well, those are some of the classics. Carcassonne, okay. uh, Ticket to Ride is another big one out there, which, I mean, these are not necessarily the ones that I play. Uh, my personal favorites are anything that deal with... Um, uh, history. Either history, yes, ancient medieval is my favorite. Uh, something that has either a military or political context to it. There are guys, in the group, like we have one guy in our group who's all about economics. And there's a. So he likes Monopoly? Well, you I. Play Monopoly? I have played Monopoly. Okay. Yeah, I have played Monopoly. His one. favorite is one called Age of Steam, where it's, it's all about developing train networks. It's like an indus- industrial revolution. Industrial, exactly, those kind of things. So, you know, there's there's lots of different uh, aspects of these games. There's um, Like you have, I'm sure, like in the video game industry, you have theme. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. You know, what kind of theme are you doing? And then you have mechanics. What kind of, is, is it a card-based game? Is it a game that involves dice? Uh, there are some game authors out there that uh, I think are just, they're horrible. They just, what they'll do is they'll develop a great mechanic system and they'll just tack on a theme, okay? Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, well, this will be about dice and some of the cards will affect it, but, okay, what's the, at the last minute, what's the game about? Ancient Egypt. Okay. No, this one's about space. And it's not really conducive to the gameplay mechanics at all. Well, and some people don't mind that. Some people are all about the mechanics. Uh, I'm a sucker for theme. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's a game about, as I mentioned earlier, if it's a game about ancient medieval politics and war, I'm all about it. Right. I'll buy it. But it has to fit into it. But there are some, like, they'll, it'll just basically be uh, uh, poker. But they put, like, okay, instead of, you know, uh, the, a suit of clubs, they put warriors on it. And you're, all you're doing is you're really, you're still playing poker. It's just with prettier cards. And I'll look at it, and it's, it won't fool me. It's like, this is poker. Now, within, like, like the uh, the board gaming world you know uh there there are clicks within that mm-hmm. are there strip board game like like strip poker like are there strip board let me game tell you about the game groups? called pimps and hoes 
Is there a game called Yes, Pimps there's a game called Pimps and Hoes. The developer is in Arlington, Texas. He came out and visited with our group. The most normal guy you could ever meet. But what, do you actually have to take your clothes off during no, the no, 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 no. Because a lot of these gamers, you don't want to see them with their clothes it's, off. It's a, it's, a, it's a naughty monopoly that, that crosses over markets and not only sells to the board game market, but also sells to the adult audience as well. That's, I, I don't know. That, uh, and it's, it's a naughty monopoly. Basically, uh, what you do is you go around the board and you collect prostitutes. And if, <laughs> if, 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 and if somebody lands on, the, on your prostitute... No pun intended. They yeah, have they have to roll a die. They have to pay for the use of your prostitute. That's not so bad. Now, can you pull like AIDS and like you get like diseases? Oh uh, yes, they do. They have like clinics. They have clinic spaces you have to land on and pay the clinic. It's, it's a real basic, basic game. I mean, it's only it's uh, I'd only play. It's just only play for shits and but grins you can and buy maybe a little bit of syphilis, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think you can only buy it on his website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty but sure. Then, but then the motherfucker knows your address. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's bad. So you can, and the worst thing about that is he'll sell you expansions. There's expansions to this. Oh, like, like all games, all it? most of the, most of your big games have expansions to them. Settlers of Catan has a million expansions really? to it already. Oh yeah, you got Seafarers Catan, Season Nice of Catan, historical scenarios. Yeah, the board game has millions of expansions I, out there. I played it with you guys, and I played it on Xbox Live, and mm-hmm. I only know this. You know, there's you only saw a- the tip of the iceberg. Oh jeez. Like, you could spend hundreds of dollars. They just came out with the 10th anniversary. It's, it's miniaturized, and it costs uh, anywhere, well, if you get a good deal online, $300, and uh, you really? buy retail, it's 500 Who buys these games? Ser- people who are uh, serious, serious Settlers fans. Um, the most, I'll confess, the most I've ever spent on a game was 80 Ooh, what, what was this game? This game is a game that's out of print. It's called War of the Ring, and, of course, it was based on Tolkien's world. But it it was expensive because it was out of print. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was expensive out of print, and I bought it. What it was is I, I bought it right before the movie came out, thinking about reselling it, and uh, it never got around good. it. Was it? Well, I still have it. <laughs> it's, it's it's not broken open. It's still in this in the, in mint condition. You're so. waiting for the Hobbit remake. You know what? Maybe I am. That that'll be the excuse I use today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the 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 big difference between these games is uh, not just the, the social aspect, but like you know, a video game you can. You can engage yourself for just 15 minutes mm-hmm. and piece together like the hours it takes to, to play the game fully. Like you can piece it together over a course of months. But with a board game, you really you set a you set aside an evening, yeah, maybe sometimes a day to play these games. It depends. Yeah, the the ones that they call gamers games can definitely take up to uh, eight hours. Sometimes uh, people will leave them set up project games. They'll leave set up and uh, they'll have to come back to over a period of a week, a month. What's the longest game that you've been a part of? Oh, that I can remember probably about eight hours. Oh, that's not bad. That's mm-hmm. not bad. You can actually shower in that. that yeah, you know. absolutely. <laughs> like you can go eight hours without showering. Yeah, some, some of these like twenty-four hour marathon motherfuckers, like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's uh, I definitely definitely have to take time out to shower, but uh, I think probably my ideal time for a game. I like games that probably three three and a half hours. That's a good game. But uh, there are some people in our group, they cannot stand anything past about an hour, hour and a half. That would be me. Yeah. We're at 56 minutes. We're at, uh, yeah, so how do you feel? Do you feel like you've, you've educated my audience enough on board games? What, do you, what, what, a, what should they go out and do? Uh, it's if such a big If, if they're interested in board games, well... Um, where would you send them? Where would I send them? Uh, probably go out, buy, buy a copy of Settlers of Catan. That's, that's a good uh, intro, uh, entry-level game. If they like that, uh, you know, also see if there's a board game convention. Most of the conventions will have some board games at them. That's where I would begin. And are there websites and things like that dedicated? Boardgamegeek.com. That's where you, board you hang out there all the time? Oh, uh, You're one of yes, the big guys. I, I, I definitely hang out there a lot. Before I buy a game, I'll go on there, check its ratings and that kind of thing. And it's uh, people who play board games, they contribute actively to the site. Boardgamegeek.com. Boardgamegeek.com. Um, so that is our episode so far, but we got to tell you guys about a couple things. Um, you guys may have noticed that Teddy Ruxpin's here. Um, Teddy Ruxpin was uh, our good friend Brent Moore's favorite gift from Christmas as a kid. Uh, he, there's a picture of him that I'm going to scan and put on the uh, on the episode right now of him opening this as a kid. That is part. This is part of our contest that we're doing um, Recently, we interviewed uh, one of the animators of the Futurama film, uh, Bender's Big Score. That was Rough Draft Studios. They did that movie, uh, and they've given us three copies of the new Simpsons movie DVD. We're going to give them out, but to do it, you've got to take an old photo of yourself or a video of yourself from Christmas, 
and put it up on the Geekscape board, YouTube it, something. Uh, the best three will win. There, you know, if you don't have a video or if you don't have a, a photo, it's Christmas. Fake it, you know, or even go further and Photoshop it and make it really damn funny. Basically, at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, I'm going to go on this forum. I'm going to go to the geekscape.net slash forums, forums, and I'm going to say, okay, let's bring up this thread for the contest, and I'm going to, and whichever posts make me laugh the hardest, those three people are going to get DVDs, all right? So even if it takes you Photoshopping stuff, just make my ass laugh with the theme of opening Christmas presents. So make, make me laugh. You'll get yourself a Simpsons DVD, and uh, that'll be our little gift to you. Um, also, if you guys want to be a part of uh, Geekscape, of course, we mentioned the forums. We've got the upcoming website. You can also join us on MySpace, myspace.com slash geekscape.net. Go on Facebook and search for Geekscape. We have a group. And uh, join it. Be our friend. And uh, what else am I not mentioning? Uh, I mentioned MySpace. That's pretty much it. You can also get a T-shirt like the one I'm wearing at geekscape.net. Just click on the online store. And uh, we got green T-shirts, black T-shirts, tote bags. And every order comes with a free pin. And, um, yeah. They do make great Christmas presents. Obviously, you're a little late this year, so um, whatever. You're a jerk. It happens. That's why you're watching this show. <laughs> I've probably turned you into a jerk over there, don't you think? I want to worship the devil. He definitely brings back memories. Really? What kind of memories? Absolutely. I, I never had one of those, but I just remember back was it... Uh, when did, when, when did this thing came out? When did Tidy Ruxman come out? I I'm guessing 84, yeah. 85? Yeah, I just remember the commercials they had yeah. for them and... Are you crying? Look, you're going to cry. <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't. Why is he missing a jaw? Did you try and poke him in the mouth? No, man. It's just, they're hard to take, take care of. It's, I threw him around a little bit. It's okay. You sure? A little bit of abuse. Oh, my gosh. You abused your His titty workman. The caution sticker is still on the back. The though. caution sticker is? Yeah. ASPCA notification yeah. number. Yeah. What I like is that you descri- You were like, this is the worst teddy bear in the world because it's like a brick wrapped in blankets. <laughs> <laughs> you can't cuddle with the thing. Um, but throwing it at your sister, you're definitely going to do some damage if you connect. So, thank you, Teddy, for being here. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dave. And thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, Brent. Thank you. Just Dad. wave to our audience. This is Brent. We're wishing you a happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It, you know, you could be worshiping Kwanzaa. If you are, I'm sorry Monica. if we offended. Um, we will see you guys next week in the new year.